Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Der Show. Today is the first day of what promises to be quite a long uh, civil fraud lawsuit against. Uh, uh, Donald uh, Trump, but you're not going to be able to see it on television because this judge, who was perfectly happy to have himself seen on television, took his glasses off, and kind of, uh, you know, mugged for the camera um, and allowed the camera to photograph uh, Donald Trump and, 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 and others. But no, we're not going to be able to see justice at work um, because what? It's none of our business. Uh, why, why can't we see uh, the trial of uh, the man who is running to be the next president of the United States, so we can make judgments uh, about him. But no, no, the judge said we're not going to, we're not going to do that. We're not going to also have a trial by jury, which is New York law, but um, it's wrong. Um, trials like this should be by a jury, especially since what's the dispute in this case? The dispute in this case is the judge who's already rendered a verdict. The judge has said that his property was undervalued, to take the most striking example. He basically looked to tax assessment records in Palm Beach County and talked about how um, the tax assessors had valued Mar-a-Lago, which is one of the most valuable properties in the United States, um, at between 18 and $27 million. And he, the judge, thinks it's worth more and so there's a conflict between the judge's assessment of what its value is and Trump's assessment of what its value is. And who do you think is going to determine who's right, the judge or Donald Trump? Who's right? The judge is going to decide that, uh, not a jury, <clears throat> not an objective, independent uh, person. And, you know, any any idea that Mar-a-Lago was worth between 18 and $27 million because that's what it was assessed at, even if Donald Trump at some point had said that, um, is absurd. It just flies in the face of reality. Uh, I'll buy it for $27 million today. I don't have that money, but I could borrow it without inflating the value of my house uh, in, in order to just to say, look, I'm going to buy this for $27 million and I will sell it for 20 times that price by tomorrow. Uh, it'd be easiest thing in the world to get. $500 million. Uh, people have sold property, empty lots nearby for $200 million. And uh, if you ask real estate people or, or, or Zwillow or any of the others, it, it's worth way, way, way in excess of that. Now, Trump may well have overstated the value or the size, at least, of his um, home, his apartment and um in New York uh, City, the Trump Tower. But, you know, you never know how you evaluate. For example, um, um, my, my son is in the process of buying an apartment. And if you ask what the size of it is, it's a certain size if you don't count outdoor space. But it has a beautiful balcony. And if you count outdoor space, the size uh, becomes much, much, much greater. But 
for real estate assessment, outdoor space sometimes is not counted. Or common space, space that uh, Trump would have the right to use for his own personal purposes, but it isn't part of the apartment. I, I'm not seeking to justify anything. What I'm saying is if his name weren't Donald Trump, uh, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of real estate moguls in New York. Have any of them been investigated? Have any of their bank loans been looked into? After all, there's no complaining witness here. There's no bank saying, oh, my God, he defrauded us. We thought that 40 Wall Street was worth only a certain amount of money because he said it was worth a certain amount of money. You think any bank would take anybody's word for it? Forget about Donald Trump. Anybody's word for it. I mean, if, you know, the Pope put a price on the Vatican, they would assess it. They would see what its value is. They would have an independent assessor. Nobody's going to believe anybody. I don't care who he is when they give you evaluation of your own home or your own business. That's why banks have very talented, very experienced, usually former real estate dealers who are giving assessed value. And the best way of getting assessed value <clears throat> is looking at comparables. Now, there is no comparable to Mar-a-Lago. It's, I've been there. It, you know, it extends from the Atlantic Ocean on, on one side to, you know, the, the, um, the other, other uh, area of, uh, of water on the other side and the bay and the straits or whatever they're called. But, you know, to have a piece of property on two pieces of water is, is, is pretty valuable and has hundreds of rooms. And um, yeah, sure, there are limitations on how it can be used, but those things get to be changed also. In any event, uh, this is not the kind of trial that we should be having during the run-up to an election. And the trial will take a long time. It, it's scheduled to go through December. One of the big questions is, will Donald Trump testify? So I'm the predictor. Yes, I think he will have to testify. Remember the law is generally that in a civil case, in a civil case, not a criminal case, if you refuse to testify on the ground that it might tend to incriminate you in another criminal case, that can't be used against you in the criminal case, but it can be used against you in the civil case. I know it's confusing, but if a person gets on the witness stand in a civil case and says, I refuse to answer that question on the grounds that it might tend to incriminate me, the jury, or the judge in this case, can consider that as potential evidence of guilt in the civil case. They can't consider it in a criminal case, but they consider it in the civil case. So, you know, it, it may well be that he will um, take the stand. He can, he can be called by the prosecution, put in the position of having to decide what to do. He can be called by the defense, in which case he probably waives his Fifth Amendment uh, right um, if he's called by 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 the defense. And, um, you know, we'll wait and see uh, whether he does testify or 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 doesn't uh, testify. Will it make any difference? No, probably not. The judge has made up his mind. And by the way, if he does testify, he subjects himself to a perjury prosecution brought by either District Attorney Bragg or Attorney General Letitia James, neither of whom have shown themselves to be objective or neutral when it comes to Donald Trump. So 
his cautious lawyers will probably tell him not to testify, that he has nothing to gain. He's going to lose the case anyway in front of the trial court. Um, and uh, he might subject himself to a perjury prosecution if he does testify and testifies in a way that either prosecutor can plausibly argue is false. Now, in the fraud case, it, New York law is very, very questionable uh, here. Um, it, it Apparently, it doesn't provide for a defense of, I didn't intend to defraud or I didn't intend to cheat. It's something like an absolute liability crime, but it's never prosecuted that way. It's never done. People aren't hauled in front of uh, courts and their property taken away based on an accidental um, mistake uh, in evaluating the property. Generally, it has to be knowing and intentional and willful and all of those things. But New York law is very, very unclear about some of these elements. And so perhaps that will be cleared up over time. But the most important decision made today was not uh, uh, anything that has to do with the substance of the case. The most important decision was the unjustifiable decision to reject the petition by the media to televise this trial. There's just no reason why this trial shouldn't be televised. We're not talking about a sex trial. We're not talking about a trial of children. We're talking about an extraordinarily boring and tedious trial where the main witnesses will be accountants who will be sitting with papers and going over valuations. And uh, I can understand how the judge would want to spare the rest of us um, the, the need to watch it. But, you know, we have a simple answer to that. It's called a switch. Uh, do we still have switches? I guess. It's an on-off switch. You don't want to watch it? Don't watch it. But I want to watch it. I want to see how the judge behaves. Who will guard the guardians? Ask the Romans. Who will judge the judges? Is a contemporary version of that. I want to judge the judges. I want to see how the judges, particularly this judge, deals with objections, deals with the lawyers. Is he going to sanction the lawyers again? Sanctioning lawyers is such a serious violation of essentially the right of every American to have a lawyer. In this case, the judge sanctioned two of the lawyers for repeating arguments that he rejected. Well, he was wrong in rejecting them. The lawyers were right in repeating the arguments. And you know what? If you fail to repeat the arguments, you know what happens? The other side comes back and says, you waived it. You had an opportunity to raise it again. No, you waived it. So any coarsest lawyer, any good lawyer will repeat the argument over and over and over again. I'll tell you what else happens. Occasionally, I've had a situation where the judge has ruled against me. I make the argument again the second time, the judge rules against me. I make the argument the third time, the judge rules in my favor. So why do you sanction a lawyer for simply making an argument? How does that warrant a sanction of a lawyer? But sanctioning lawyers has become the newest way of denying people their constitutional rights. You've heard before about the 65 Project. The 65 Project threatens to impose discipline and bar uh, complaints against any lawyer who defends 
Donald Trump. And these lawyers are defending Donald Trump. So you can expect that the 65 Project will go after them. But in this case, they didn't even have to go after them. This judge went after them. And there's something very, very wrong with that. Uh, judge has a very easy way of dealing with lawyers who make an argument for the third time. It's called denied, denied, denied. All right, I've said it three times. You want to raise it again? I'm going to say it again. Denied. But you don't sanction a lawyer for making a reasonable, plausible argument. And the arguments in this case are very reasonable and very plausible. A, banks don't take seriously these kinds of assessments done by people seeking loans. They have their own assessors. They make their own judgments. They decide whether to make the loan. In this case, apparently every loan payment was made. Banks made profits on it. Nobody lost any money. Nothing went into default. No harm, no foul, no victim in this case. So what's the judge doing? Why is the judge? Why is the prosecutor? Let's start with the prosecutor. Why is the prosecutor wasting the time, energy, and resources of New York protecting big banks? Do big banks need protection? No. Mom-pop stores need protection. No. People on the street who are being harassed need protection. No, people on the subways who are being pushed onto the tracks need protection. The last people in New York who need protection are bankers who are lending money with their eyes wide open to Donald Trump, knowing that he's exaggerating the value of the um, uh, buildings that he owns. Everybody knows that. Imagine what would happen to the New York real estate business if uh, Letitia James were to say, I'm now opening up a unit to go after every real estate mogul who's ever taken a loan from a bank. I'm going to now investigate every single real estate mogul, Democrat or Republican, Trump or somebody else, who has borrowed money from the bank and may have exaggerated the value of the real estate for which the money is being borrowed. Real estate industry would go out of business in, in New York. Uh, people would be chased out of New York. They'd be moving to other parts of the of the country. She, she's just employing selective injustice. Again, I've said this before, but the Bible that goes back a long, long time uh, gives judges and prosecutors uh, an obligation. They cannot recognize faces. Lo takir panim. That's the Three words in Hebrew, lo, do not, takir, recognize, panim, faces, do not recognize faces. When you do justice, you must wear that blindfold. Do you think Letitia James is wearing a blindfold? Do you think this judge is wearing a blindfold? You think this judge is judging Donald Trump the way he would judge somebody else who was not as notorious, who was not running for president, who maybe a Democrat, could be a Republican as well. Uh, do you think that a single standard of justice is being applied in this case? If you do, there's a bridge right from Manhattan to Brooklyn that I would sell you. It's probably assessed fairly, fairly low. And um, uh, I'll sell it to you. Um, maybe trade it to you for Mar-a-Lago or, or the Trump Towers. I mean, if this weren't so serious, if this weren't so serious an infringement on our right, the right of every American to decide who to vote for, 
without interference by the legal system, it would be a it would be a bad joke. It would be a very bad joke, but it's not a joke. It's an attempt to deny the American public the right to vote without the thumb of the attorney general, the thumb of the district attorney being on the scale. You know my views because you write to me every day and complain. I don't want Trump to be elected the next president. I want him to be defeated fair and square. I want more people to vote against him than to vote for him. I want more electors to vote against him than to vote for him. I want the election to be so one-sided that even Donald Trump couldn't complain about the results. Uh, That's what I want. Um, I'm not here trying to get Trump elected president, but I want him to be defeated fair and square. I want the American public to come away saying, you know, we had a right to vote for Donald Trump. We had the right to vote against him. Many of us voted for him. Many of us voted against him. And the majority wins and the majority in the electoral college wins. That's not what's going on now. This is not a fair election. They're trying to bankrupt one of the candidates. They're trying to deny him the right to campaign. They're trying to essentially lock him up. Um, you know, that's what they do in banana republics. Uh, you know, this is a civil case, so it doesn't get that seventh banana. We're still up to six bananas. Um, this judge, though, is getting very close to earning a seventh banana, but I'm going to reserve the seventh banana for a criminal case um, because, you know, this is just a state case and uh, it involves only money, not not freedom. But it involves a determination of fraud and, and this judge should not be empowered to make a determination of fraud based on what he believes is an overvaluation of property, which nobody, as far as I know, claims had a victim. Nobody claims anybody was hurt. And and you talk about prosecutorial discretion. She's the attorney general of the state of New York. It's one of the most important jobs you can have in the United States. New York used to be the biggest state in the union. It's now, what, fourth or fifth? But still, it's a big state. And the attorney general, many of the attorney generals have gone on to bigger and better roles. Um, and, and, and this attorney general should not be devoting the resources of New York to protecting bankers. Uh, and that's not what she's doing. She doesn't care about bankers. She may get contributions from bankers, but the bankers don't care. The bankers aren't seeking this, this prosecution. All she cares about is what she campaigned on. Get Trump. This is simply another aspect of get Trump. This is another way of getting Trump. They're trying to get him criminally by a made-up case. The New York case is the weakest, I've said this before, the weakest criminal indictment I have seen in 60 years of practicing law. Six, it's actually more now. It's probably 65 years. I'm 85. And I started doing this, you know, when I was uh, in my 20s. Uh, I've never seen an indictment like this. An indictment that says basically you're a criminal if you pay hush money to keep an alleged affair quiet. And then having paid the hush money to keep it quiet, you don't list it on your corporate form. It's a joke. 
Alexander Hamilton would have gone to jail um, under under the uh, theory of the indictment in this case, because I'm sure he didn't list in all of his forms uh, when he was Secretary of the Treasury and when he was uh, in, in, in uh, other, when he was a member of the bar, uh, uh, the, the payment he made to the woman who extorted him. Um, and, and the other question that always has to be asked is when you pay hush money <clears throat> to somebody who is threatening to expose you, isn't that the crime? Isn't the crime extortion? Isn't the crime the claim by the alleged uh, other party in the consensual sexual encounter to go public and embarrass him in front of his wife and his children and um, and also voters? You know, under the theory that the prosecution brought this case in New York, there has to have been one motive. Trump has to have had one motive only to increase his electoral chances. By the way, it would have had no effect on his election. We've seen that now. We all thought that the <clears throat> tape recording um, would have had an effect on his election. It didn't. The recording of the interview where he said, uh, women, you know, don't stop him. Um, I won't get into the exact words, but it didn't affect his election. And the idea that he had one motive, that he didn't care about his children, he didn't care about his friends, he didn't care about his business associates. All he cared about was the voters. That's the theory of the of the very, very weak New York prosecution. And it's an absurd theory, but it's New York, so it may very well win in front of a jury. So what we have in New York is juries who consist of people largely who voted against Donald Trump, judges who clearly voted against Donald Trump, prosecutors who campaigned against Donald Trump. Boy, I have to tell you, I'm a pretty good lawyer. I don't know whether I could win any case in New York involving Donald Trump. On appeal, yes, perhaps. But uh, at trial, I don't think so. I don't think so. Look, this is just the beginning, the first day. We're going to be covering this trial extensively. We're going to be covering all of the trials. We're going to be a very, very busy podcast because you're going to get the truth here. Yeah, it's not on television, but I'm watching. I'm watching very carefully, and I'm listening to reports. And you're going to get the unvarnished truth, objective, neutral, not Democrat, not Republican, not CNN, not Fox. You're not going to get the uh, narration, the narrative that people want to see for it. You're going to get the exact truth, and you're going to get predictions that thus far have proved to be true. So let's turn to some letters. <clears throat> Professor, if a Dem presidential candidate wins in 2024, they will expand the Supreme Court to more justices. But you still would vote for Biden? Let me be very clear. I will not vote for a candidate who would advocate expanding the Supreme Court, packing the Supreme Court. Biden has said he would not do that. He is against it. That doesn't mean that he can control it uh, 100%. But he will have an enormous amount of influence if he's elected. And he said he's against it. So that is not a reason for me to vote against him. Okay. Offer to buy the judge's property for its tax assessment valuation. The author is in. The offer is in. Tell me what the judge's property is valued at by tax evaluations, and I'll come up with the, body, the, the, the money. 
Uh, your words are an island of reason in the sea of hyperpartisan illogic. In the realm of law, government, and politics, I enjoy hearing you speak more than any other public figure in my lifetime. Thank you, Mom. Uh, no, no, I, I appreciate uh, kind letters like that. My mom would have written a letter like that, but uh, she's not any, any longer able to do that. Um, this is an interesting one. I mentioned a few times that this case would be a slam dunk. And so somebody says, where does slam dunk come from and what does it literally mean? Thank you. My understanding is slam dunk comes from basketball. That, uh, you know, when I was playing basketball, almost nobody could dunk. Uh, you, if you could dunk, I played, you know, in high school and I couldn't, I could touch the rim, but I couldn't really dunk. But if you're really tall and you really can jump high, not only can you dunk, but you can slam dunk. You can put the ball into the net from way up high and a slam dunk almost never misses. It has on occasion. I've seen them bounce off the rim, but a slam dunk is a certainty um, uh, in basketball used as a metaphor now in politics as well. I think that's right. This is one of the most disturbing letters I've ever gotten. This is really upsetting and absurd. Defending criminals when you are being paid is one thing, but doing it for nothing makes you scum. No, I devote half of my professional life to defending people who can't afford it. I hope that doctors also treat people who can't afford it. And uh, other professionals um, give their time to people who can't afford it. I'm a criminal defense lawyer. And so, yes, I defend people who are charged with crime and people who are guilty of crimes. For example, the man I'm defending now, I'm not his lawyer. I'm just helping his lawyers. Uh, the man on death row who's scheduled to die a week from now. Um, has committed the crime that he was sentenced for, but he didn't commit the underlying crime, which gave him the death penalty. And he has been nonviolent for 23 years. And I'm doing it for free. As I've done so many of my cases, I saved two young boys on death row named the Tyson brothers. It took me three years of my life. And not only didn't I get paid for it, I paid my own expenses. And, um, and it cost me a lot of money. I paid my students who are helping me do research. And I'm very proud of the fact that I defend people without fee. I did not earn a penny defending Donald Trump. I defended him on the floor of the United States Senate. Um, a fee was paid, but I gave it to charity um, because I didn't want to take money from uh, Donald Trump. I didn't want to be doing it for the money. I wanted to be doing it for the constitutional principle. And that's why I did it. I defended the Constitution against an unconstitutional impeachment, and the money went to um, charity, and I'm, I'm very proud of that. I defended Natan Sharansky for nine years um, without, without fee. Um, the list of my the people I've defended without fee is very, very long, longer than the list of people who I've defended for a fee. Now, if, if you're rich, I'm going to charge you. I, you know, I perform an important service, and I've gotten a lot of people uh, either good deals or acquittals. And if you can pay me, yeah, sure. But if you can't, I'm not going to charge you. And I'm not scum because of that. Um, here's a kind of threat. Keep Malcolm X's name out of your mouth. No, no. I'm going to tell the truth about Malcolm X. You know, I had dinner with Malcolm X. 
when he spoke at Harvard. I introduced him. You can go online. You can hear my introduction. Um, Malcolm X did a lot of good for the black community. He gave them pride, uh, black power, uh, a range of other things. But he was a virulent anti-Semite. He didn't like Jews. Um, he didn't like uh, the nation state of the Jewish people. And I'm going to call him out for that. And you're not going to threaten me. And so um, Malcolm X belongs in my mouth uh, the same way that other people with mixed records belong in my mouth. And it's going to stay there. And I'm going to talk about it. And if you want to write to me and tell me on the merits why I'm wrong, I'm happy to listen to that. But I'm not going to listen to threats implicit or explicit. Okay. I have to disagree with you about the Crusades. The Crusades were a delayed reaction by the church to a thousand years of Islamic expansion uh, by the sword. It's not true. Islam only started in the year 600, the Crusades, so it was just a few hundred uh, years. I'm not objecting necessarily to the Crusades themselves. It was on the way to the Crusades that Richard the Chickenhearted, called Richard the Lionhearted, killed everybody else in his path. Um, and, and particularly Jews uh, who were living in France uh, and, and in, in other places. And when these chicken-hearted crusaders uh, went to, uh, to Palestine to free, you know, the holy city from, from Muslims, um, uh, they just, you know, took a little, little joy of, 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 of murdering uh, many children. And you can't justify that and you can't explain that. And, you know, the church, as all churches and all religions, um, have a mixed record, mixed record during the Holocaust. And again, you're going to only hear the truth from me. You're going to hear, you're going to hear all sides of, of the issues. Many in the church and various churches did great things during the, during the Holocaust, uh, but many did not. The same thing is true of Ukrainian people and of Polish people. There were some heroes, but many, many, many villains. And so... It's part of my responsibility to call out the villainy and to point to the goodness, both. Um, that's what I tried to do about all things, a nuanced, calibrated approach. And you'll continue to hear that tomorrow uh, when we continue to follow the Trump story and other stories that are important to the constitutional rights of all Americans. See you tomorrow. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.